Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Week 11 is here and it's on to Madison for a showdown with the best defense in the country. Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press is our game day guest, and he says with these two teams, the game starts at noon and could be over by 1.30 p.m. These are two teams that want to do the same thing. Pound the run game, throw some passes to keep you honest, and play defense. Nick will join us in just a minute. On Thursday's Visitors Edition, my guest will be Jason Galloway. He covers the Badgers for the Wisconsin State Journal, and hosts the Red Zone Podcast. So before Nick joins us, we get started with my view from Section 17. Jim Harbaugh said Saturday's game was probably his team's most complete performance of the year. For my lazy boy, it was half a performance. The first half was outstanding, I thought, on both sides of the ball. The second half, dreadful on both sides of the ball. We are an improving team, no doubt. What Saturday's game reinforced, though, is that we are young and a very flawed team. And that's not a criticism, it's just a fact. We can't show up in Madison and play that kind of game or we will get punched in the mouth. Our run game is getting stronger and stronger and our passing game, maybe not so much. Other than our tight ends, we are getting no production from the wideouts. Someone has to start helping Brandon out and make some plays. Brandon Peters is taking care of the ball, though, and in large part because we aren't asking him to do much. That changes at 12 noon on Saturday. If we think we can line up and just run against the best rush defense in the country, we'll get smoked. I actually think Brandon will be fine, and he's going to make the throws. He needs help from his wideouts. It's November. It's the big stage. Time to show up. The most interesting aspect of Saturday's game to me is our defensive line against their O-line and Jonathan Taylor. No one has run up the middle on our defense, primarily because of Mo Hurst. But that's what Wisconsin does. It's their bread and butter, and this Taylor kid is something special. If we can shut down the run game, maybe even slow it down, Alex Hornerbrook will have to air it out a bit more. And while he's been throwing okay, he has still thrown 11 picks, including two pick sixes against Iowa last week. This is the first time in program history Wisconsin has been 10-0. This program has never had as much on the line as they do right now. 
Some experts say they have not even been challenged this year, and Michigan is the best team they have faced. Nick Baumgartner says Michigan is a confident team and thinks they're improved. How much? We're going to find out this Saturday. Michigan beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press is up next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze in Brew. Here with us on our game day segment this week to take a look back at the Maryland game over the weekend and a look ahead to a huge game in uh, Madison on Sunday, or on Sunday, on Saturday, is Michigan beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press. Great to have you back with us, Nick. Like it's not big enough that they're moving it to Sunday. We're still going to play Saturday, right? Yeah, I, I, I know everyone's confused <laughs> about the start time, but at least it won't be on Sunday. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Doing good. Doing good. How are you, Mike? Doing okay, Nick. Uh, just not sure what to make of what I saw on Saturday. And let's start talking about that if we could. It was like watching two different games to me. I, I sat back and thought, this is a good first half. Let's build on that for the second half. Keep improving. But that didn't happen. For me, I can't figure it out. I hate to think that there was a let up on both sides of the ball. I just can't figure that second half out, Nick. Yeah, I think uh, it was probably a combination of everything, really. Um, you know, Michigan finds itself up 28 nothing at the half. Uh, the one thing I, I won't really get into uh, in terms of, like, agreeing on this narrative, I heard some people say, well, maybe they're just saving stuff. My question is, um, what are they saving? I, I really don't buy that. I, I mean, if they have this massive folder of stuff they haven't shown us yet, um, then where was it when they were losing to, uh, <laughs> you know, to uh, – Michigan State and Wisconsin. I mean, that that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I think the problem there was, you know, they went, they they still continue to go into these games with, you know, limited game plans because they're playing a younger quarterback, and whether you know whether they trust him or not to handle more is is their decision, I suppose. But you know, uh, I think they they wanted to be careful with the ball. They didn't want to do too much. Um, they'd lost Karan Higdon, of course, to injury. That's notable. The defense suddenly couldn't get off the field. And, you know, everything kind of snowballed. It looked really ugly. And um, all of a sudden it turned into just, let's just get out of here. And, and that's, that's what you had. I mean, it was still a 35-10 win. But, you know, there were, of course, concerns there. To me, maybe more than anything, was not getting off the field. I mean, Maryland was down to its fourth quarterback. Uh, you know, his walk-on, he's like 5'10". I mean, you know, he, was, he completed a few passes. They were, you know, they were getting the corner, getting getting uh, getting the ends blocked, and getting around the edge a few times. I mean, that that was a concern uh, if you're Michigan. So yeah, did not look as good as they did. Uh, certainly in the first half, they looked great, uh, and you know, didn't look nearly as good as they looked against Minnesota the week ago, and or Rutgers in the second half the week prior. And this was a Maryland team that you know was lost to Rutgers last week. So you know, Michigan handled its business in the end. They win the game by 25 points, but. Um, didn't finish with any style points. I'll give it that. I mean, I don't know if it matters. And I guess maybe they go out and play with their hair on fire next week and it doesn't matter. But, um, 
I think the second half was a, a reminder that Michigan is a is a flawed football team right now, and, and they've got to work over things, and they can't they can't sleepwalk through anything. It has to be their their best at all times, or uh, or things can get ugly pretty quick. Well, Brandon Peters was nine of eighteen. He threw two touchdowns, didn't turn it over, and it was his first road test. Not spectacular, but again, to me, the key is he's really taking good care of the ball, Nick. Yeah, uh, he wasn't spectacular, and I think that would be one where I would say that's probably by design. I don't think that they're really asking him to do anything, um, and that's fine. Uh, you know, they, they weren't asking General Corn to do anything either, and he couldn't deliver even the bare minimum. Um, they weren't really asking a ton of Wilton Spade, and he struggled at times as well. So Peters is more or less doing what he's asked to do. I think that that's the, the big takeaway. And, you know, I watched, went back and watched every uh, dropback that he had. And, you know, other than a couple, you know, he did miss on a few throws, but it was only like three or four uh, out of the 18 shots. So he has nine incompletions. And I think really only about three of them were completely his fault. You know, there were situations where either pressure got, got in there and he had to throw it away or a play broke down, or it was just the right, the right move to, to kill to kill a play um so i think in in the end you know he he's he's missed on a couple shots that were there but he also made some plays uh you know improved a nice scramble and pressure to to Karan higdon uh you know for a big for a big chunk and that's something that he struggled with in spring um you know was the ability to to handle pressure get out of there uh stay poised uh, keep your head up and make something happen he took a hit but he still delivered the football and, and they got a big play out of it uh, and then the one big one I know that they were excited about at the end of the game actually was, you know, when the game was pretty much over, but it was still a third and long situation that, um, you know, they wanted to pick up where they run, you know, the, the, the four vertical routes, for whatever reason, they continue to do this. And early in the season, we'd seen this happen where, you know, Wilton Spader, John Corn, you know, were like, well, I'm going to take the shot down the field. Brandon checked down uh, to Chris Evans out of the backfield, and Evans ends up getting like 15 or 20 yards for a first down. I know Harbaugh was super excited about that just because it was a quarterback understanding the situation, checking down and making a play. Rather than kind of taking a selfish shot and trying to prove something, he just took what was best for the team and, and made it happen. So uh, Peters, of all the quarterbacks, um, you know, obviously doesn't have the, the experience that Wilton has. Um, he's not as old as O'Corn was or is. Uh, but he does seem to be, he takes care, he takes better care. He, he has taken better care of the football in the last few weeks. than those guys did at any point. Now he hasn't played nearly as difficult as a competition. Well, I think you could argue he plays, he's played as difficult a competition as Wilton did. O'Corn has had the toughest stretch and he didn't take care of the ball at all. So I think that's the takeaway for me is that, yeah, like you said, Mike, Brandon Peters has not turned the football over in uh 10 and a half, 10 and a half, 12 quarters, whatever it's been. Um, that is the longest stretch they've had all season without a turnover, and you cannot ignore that. I mean, he has he has handled the football, uh, you know, from the run game perspective. He has made he has made throws that are not even. Remo- you know, I think one time in that first like first or second drive he had against Rutgers, he he tried to fit one in against the receiver and almost had intercepted. I think that's the only time he's the ball has left his hands where you thought, okay, that's getting picked. There has not been any other instance instance where he's made a throw where you're like, well, that's going to get intercepted. That's just nowhere near where it needs to be. So if he's missing, he's missing in the right spots, if that makes sense. I think that he's been fluid, he's been calm, he's been he's been comfortable. I think this should be his job against Wisconsin on Saturday. I don't know if it will be. We're going to talk to Jim Harbaugh later today, but I think it should be his job. I don't know of any reason why you'd, you'd make this change right now, regardless of anything else. So 
We'll see if he can handle it, but I think this should be the, the, his chance to go in there and prove that he can do this. The injuries are mounting now, Nick. Uh, Higdon went out with a foot or ankle injury, a Levert Hill concussion. Rashawn Gary, I'm not sure what his injury was, and then we also saw David Long go out. None of them, as far as we know, were serious, but the list keeps growing, which is a concern. Yeah, I think that you know Rashawn Gary, David Long are going to be fine. Uh, that seemed to be the notion after the game, though, you know, we, we can wait and see totally on that, but I think those guys will be, be okay. Um, the, the two that were still lingering that no one really knew, Karan Higdon and Lavert Hill. Lavert Hill had a concussion, which you never know, you know, how long that, those, those things can take a while. Um, so you, you don't know how long that's going to be. And then uh, Karan Higdon had a, had a foot or ankle or something. You know, he wasn't carted off the field or anything, so it wasn't anything that severe, but he also didn't come back out after halftime. Um, so, you know, we'll see if that's something that lingers or that's something that, that makes him miss any more time. Obviously, they did miss him. He is turning. He looked on a couple of the runs he had, you know, whether it would be the catch out of the backfield or the uh, or a couple of runs he's making. He has turned into a terrific option for them out of the backfield. They would sorely miss him, as they would Levert Hill in any situation. So those are the two really that are that they're looking at and saying, boy, they need to get those guys back if they can, uh, especially these next two weeks because these are the most important. It's funny because – you know, they, they lost Wilton Spade, they lost Tariq Black, who are, those are key injuries. But really, other than that, you know, Michigan had actually gotten through most of the first, like, seven, eight weeks of the season without really eating into their depth. I mean, they, they weren't missing much more. Uh, they kind of stopped at those two, and, and that was kind of about it. And now suddenly, yeah, it's, it's mounting at the worst possible time. But, you know, it's late November. This happens. This is part of football. So we'll see if those guys are... If one or both uh, can go this week, or if not, um, somebody else can have to step up and play. But um, not the great, not the greatest time for that stuff to be happening. But that is that's kind of how it works. Well, Nick, let's talk about some of the good things we're seeing right now and have seen this season. Who's trending up? And let's start with Maurice Hurst, best player on the team, mm-hmm. Nick, and has been all season. What a senior year he's putting together! Yeah, outstanding. Um, Better than I, better than I thought he would be, actually. Which is saying something. I knew he'd be really good. I mean, that's you know, he's better than I thought he would be, and I thought he would be an All-American. So that's, that's kind of uh, the biggest compliment I can I can kind of give him. Um, you know, the, the numbers he has put up uh, as a defensive tackle are off the charts. I mean, he is a he is a nose tackle, and he is he is at 50 tackles, I believe, overall. He's at like 12 and a half for loss, four or five sacks. I mean, he is everywhere, and he is. Earned himself a ton of money this year, I would think. If everything continues to go the way it's going, uh, he should absolutely be a first-round pick in terms of grade right now. Whether that all continues and that he finishes it is still up to him, I suppose. But right now, that's that's what the that's what the scuttlebutt is that he's a first-round talent and uh, he has been unblockable. Uh, there's not been one team that has that has negated him. You know, there have been games where you know Winovich and Gary have had their issues on the outside in terms of stopping the run or Mike McCray or somebody else has had a problem but it's never been Mohurst uh, no one on no one anywhere uh, this season has been able to run the football inside on Michigan and that is his domain that's his area and it just hasn't happened i mean he's taken away the middle of the field like that uh he's protected Devin Bush quite a bit and made plays on his own so um a terrific year for him i don't know where they'd be without him i mean if he, if he decided to turn pro last year uh, that would have been a significant blow. And it's also helped, I think, younger guys like Aubrey Solomon and Michael Dwumfor have been able to spend a year around Mo and, and learn from him. And those guys have gotten better, I think, because of it. So um, he has helped everyone on the team. He's been he's been their MVP, in my opinion. I think he's been the best player on the team. Um, and if they were voting for that most valuable player, whatever you want to call it, it, tomorrow, I would think it would probably have to go to Mohurst. He's been their best player. At least that would be my vote. But um, 
So great year for him, and we'll see if that continues. Another young man who's uh, trending up is Chris Evans. I mean, he started slowly amidst very high expectations. Yep. It's taken him time, but the last few weeks, he's been impressive, Nick. He has. You know, I think that they've started to, I mean, obviously he was able to benefit last week against uh, Maryland because, you know, Karan Higdon, who's been who's been great as well, was out. Uh, I think they they found what they were looking for in terms of, you know, Higgin is their best gap power back. Uh, Evans can run zone a little bit, uh, but also can run, you know, power stuff. If you let him, I think that they found a nice combination and mixture of what those two guys do well. Uh, and they finally, for whatever reason, you know, I, I will never understand the first four and a half, five weeks, whatever it was, six weeks of, of this season in terms of game plan. I will never understand it. I think that they absolutely cost themselves uh, everything that, that they looked like they're costing themselves when they went against Michigan State. That was that was a classic case of shooting yourself in the foot and getting too cute and fancy and doing way too much. After that, this team has looked like a looked like what I thought it would look like, and I think that's helped Chris Evans. I think that's helped Brian Higdon. I think that's helped a lot of guys in the run game. Um, you know, find their identity, find and and they they're playing more confident now, of course. But I think they're being put in better positions and they're delivering. Uh, you know, and Evans suddenly. You know, looks like a guy that we thought maybe he'd look like at the beginning of the year, where he's in he's in good spots. Um, the blocking has obviously improved, and you know he's making things happen. So, uh, both those guys, Evans and Higdon, um, really good duo. I think they're they're combined for like fourteen hundred yards mm-hmm. right now, um, something like that. And you know, if, if if Higgins healthy and Evans continues to finish strong, they, I'm sure the number will go up. And then, of course, everyone remembers they're back next year. Uh, so those guys will be back, and and they're they're both playing really good football right now. Uh, and they've, they've been Michigan's two best offensive players really for the last month. So, um, you know, hats off to them. Zach Gentry also becoming a solid contributor yeah. at tight end with McCune over there. What I like about him, Nick, is he seems to find a way to find those creases and get open. I really like what we're getting from him. Yeah, both those guys, uh, Gentry's improved so much, you know, from a guy that they, you know, obviously they wanted to move him to tight end right away. They did, and they didn't know if he could handle it. So I think he was playing receiver for a minute. Uh, a year ago, and then they moved him back to tight end, and his blocking has improved so much to where he's been able to get on the field. Uh, and obviously, he's get, you know he's done a, he's done a much better job with his routes and finding like you said, getting open, finding soft spots, and and catching the ball. You know that was the big thing for him when he made the switch. He'd never really had to catch the ball before. You know you don't see him dropping it or anything like that. So he's making plays. McCune is the guy that I really think is an every down tight end right now. And as a sophomore, you know I, I look back, I looked back at everything yesterday and looked back to where Jake Butt was as a sophomore. And Jake Butts, you know, the better route runner as a sophomore and probably better pass catcher. But I don't know if it was by a mile. And I would also counter with that and say that I think Sean McCune is a much better blocker than Jake Butt was when he was a sophomore. So I think McCune really is right now with two years left to go, really in a good spot to to turn into a very, very good player. Gentry as well. I mean, both those guys combined uh, should give Michigan a really nice combination at tight end for the next two years. Uh, but you know, both of them had their own unique skill set. McCune, I think, is the guy who's really impressed me the most, though, because he's been a very, very competent and very positive. You know, very, very good blocker. I mean, he has done a great job in the run game. Uh, I don't see him getting mauled by people. I don't see him getting, you know, blown off the ball. He knows what he's doing. Uh, he understands angles and everything else and what they're trying to get accomplished. He's been great. Uh, Gentry's gotten a lot better. Um, and frankly, they haven't missed. Devin Asiasi the way I thought they would. And that's a testament to those two guys because they have stepped up and kind of answered the bell. And uh, that's been that's been a big positive. Those two guys are the tight ends now in the future. They have that 
they have that kind of locked in and everybody else will have to fight to, to knock them off the top. So a great job by those guys um, to kind of solidify that position when there was opportunity to be had and they, they went out and grabbed it. And uh, it's been a great year for them and I'm sure that'll continue. If there was one position group I felt good about before the season, uh, Nick, it was our wideouts. I thought as far as a, a collection of potential talent, I hadn't seen this much in a long time, uh, potential being the key word. But so far, really no one has developed as a playmaker, and that's been a, a big issue, hasn't it? Yeah, I think that uh, you know development being the key kind of word there and that uh, they were so young, um, and you know, maybe a lesson going forward for everyone who maybe wants to over-anticipate on, on true freshmen uh, and that really wide receiver is one of the more difficult places uh, historically for freshmen to come in and, and make an impact right away um, just because of everything. You know, the, the game's faster, the defensive backs are much more physical and, and they actually cover uh, as opposed to in high school when you're usually just running against a guy who wants to play receiver, doesn't really care about playing corner. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's been a big problem. Tariq Black getting hurt uh, was, he was clearly their best, uh, their best weapon out there um, and the most physically ready to, to go guy. He may have been, may have been the exception there to the uh, freshman rule. Uh, and then he gets hurt and that, that doesn't help anything. And then, you know, guys just haven't, haven't been able to get open consistently. You know, Donovan Peoples Jones is a, is a true freshman who's coming along and, you know, is certainly a better player now than he was at the beginning of the season, but still has a long way to go. Nothing wrong with that, but, that's just reality. That's how that's how it works. I know people wanted to him to come out as a five star freshman and and have fifty catches for two thousand yards or whatever, but that's not that's not how this goes. So, you know, it's a combination of you know rotating quarterbacks, um, you know, injuries, youth, new passing game coordinator, everything else, uh, and it just hasn't really stacked up together. But um, you know, guys are gonna have to start getting better. Um, quicker now um because you know especially in this week this week's game against wisconsin because you're going to have to have guys make plays you know you got to make plays on the ball that michigan has not had an instance that i can remember where you know a guy's kind of just gone up and bailed the quarterback out and made a play you know if, if a ball gets thrown up in the air we heard a lot about you know why can't they throw more fades early in the season well you know the fades were the fades were uh overthrown but let's say that one was put on put on place i mean you know no receivers really made a case that he can go up and make the play anyway so Guys are going to have to step up, make plays. You're going to need them this week against Wisconsin and Ohio State, and whoever you're playing in a bowl game. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be tough to move the ball. Well, Nick, yesterday at Jim's uh, presser, he was asked about Quinn Nordine. We all knew that subject was coming up. We saw the shouting match between uh, Jim and uh, and Quinn after he missed that field uh-huh. goal. And I mean, we've we've got to think it's a, it's a mental thing. I mean, Jim just said he's got to put on the the iron jock and just make the field goals. And it really still sounds like he's getting that one more chance, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It sounds like it's it's in that uh, you know kind of do it or don't time uh, for Nordine. And you know it's it's interesting. You know he obviously started out so well. Um, you know had the had the fifty yard field goals there in the first game, and then uh, then tore off I think ten in a row at one point. But something's gone on here, whether it be mental. Uh, maybe he's dealing with something. You know he got banged up or something. I don't know. I know he had an injury with his plant foot last year. Um, but either way, he's healthy enough to play, it seems. So if you're healthy enough to play, then you should do your job. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the challenge he's laying down that, you know, if you don't make the next one, uh, going to give it to somebody else and and give them a shot. And, you know, I don't know if there's any other way to do that. I think it was, I think Harbaugh was encouraged by Nordine's, you know, response, believe it or not. I think a lot of people wanted to make that into something that it wasn't in terms of, you know, mistake by Nordine to fire back at Harbaugh like that. I, that's a football sideline. 
he's a football player, even though he is a kicker. I don't think Harbaugh had any problem with him being emotional like that. Uh, he says he's going to go out and make a kick, then, you know, go prove it. You know, that was Kenny Allen went through the same thing last year. Uh, obviously, Kenny had more on his plate with punting and kickoffs, but, you know, Kenny missed two or three straight kicks over, I think, I think of course, two two weeks. And they pulled him. And, um, you know, they pulled him and eventually went back to him uh, because Ryan Tice, who came in, also missed a kick. And Kenny went to work in practice and, and got better and, I think, made 15 straight to close the year. So he responded to that challenge. Uh, and I think they're, they're hoping that uh, Quinn Ordean could do the same. Well, Jim updated the injuries uh, to some extent uh, at Monday's presser. I think good news in, in saying that hopeful for Karan Higdon, uh, Michael Unwayno, who was dressed on Saturday, appears to be uh, ready to go for this Saturday. Ty Isaac back at practice, which is good news. And Nick Eubanks, after uh, quite a few weeks, is back practicing. So those are all good things to hear. Yeah, Eubanks um, is in the same boat as Wilton Spade in that he's practicing, but he's not going to have any contact. So... You know, he, he would be probably on the doubtful uh, end uh, more than anything else. Um, but, yeah, the rest of those guys have sounded at least, you know, on, on the good end of questionable. Um, I don't know if probable is the right term, but at least hopeful would yeah, maybe the better the better phrase there. Um, you know, LaVert Hill is still the one that's kind of up in the air. He's obviously – he had a concussion, uh, and he's still in concu- he was still in concussion protocol as of Monday, so – uh, not sure if uh, if he's been cleared or ready to go. That's that's something that uh, is strictly, you know, up to the doctors. Obviously, they they have they have their certain procedures they go through, and uh, once he kind of passes through that and is able to get back out there, then he can go. But those things, as we know, can they can last. I mean, that's Nick Eubanks was hit in the head, uh, and Harbaugh never came out and said he had a concussion. Maybe it was something different, but you know that was a month and a half ago. So things happen uh, with with the head injuries, and they're very careful with them. So. Uh, Hill would be a big loss if he can't play, and the rest of those guys would be too. But Michigan will need all hands on deck as much as it can get uh, here against Wisconsin. So, you know, in some areas, good news. In some areas, we'll see. And uh, and I guess right now that's better than just an absolute no. So, um, you know, more positive than not. Well, you're right. This team needs all hands on deck on Saturday. And, you know, looking ahead to Madison, uh, this Wisconsin defense, they are the real deal. They held Iowa to 66 yards offense on Saturday, giving up 81 yards per game on the ground. They have an excellent pass rush. I believe they'll lead the Big Ten with 35 sacks, so they're averaging three a game. It really is going to be big boy time for that offensive line, Nick. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, this is it right here. You know, this is, we're going to find out. You know, um, I really think that they've gotten better on the ground. I know they have. Um, but this is this is big boy time for for the pass protection. I mean, Wisconsin is a, they're going to run the thirty four front. Uh, they're going to have good linebackers. They're going to get they're going to get in your backfield. They're going to make plays, um, and you're going to give up pressures. You know, it's going to happen. You're not going to ha- you know you're not going to have a clean sheet here. Brandon Peters is not going to have uh, the ability to stand there straight up the whole game without anybody in his face. That's not going to be reality. Uh, but you know you cannot allow these free rushes. Uh, that just absolutely kill a play can't happen. I mean, that's, you know, in some ways you can scheme around that in some ways you can help yourself, but you know, there was another instance last week where Ben Bredesen is just completely beaten, you know, just de at the line of scrimmage by, by a one-on-one rusher. And it just completely destroys the play. That stuff has got to stop, uh, or this offense is going nowhere against Wisconsin. You can't move the football if they're going to live in your backfield. And, you know, you saw what they did to Iowa last week. Uh, and Iowa, you know, had just come off a situation where they put up almost 500 yards against Ohio State and all of a sudden couldn't block anything, and they had 66 yards of offense last week against Wisconsin because they could not keep them out of their backfield. I mean, that's that's just something that's one of those things that 
if you can't if you can't stop it, then you're not doing anything. And that's we saw that late in the year last year with Michigan when they played when they played Iowa or Ohio State or Florida State, where you know you can make all the plays you want, but negative plays in this offense uh, are they might as well be a turnover. I mean, that's that's the thing that I keep coming back to that. You know, if you're if you're going to let up, get off schedule, and sit there in first and or second and seventeen all the time, uh, you might as well turn the football over because you you know the offense is not designed to pick up fifty yards on one play all the time. It just doesn't work that way. So they got to be better, and this is going to be the test. I mean, this is going to be the one where we find out, you know, if they're good enough, if they've improved enough, um, and if they can get the job done because that's still something that either way, I, no matter how the season ends, that's something that's going to sort of linger into next year and we're going to still have that question of, are they going to be good enough to do this? And, you know, I know people are getting sick and tired of hearing about it. It's been seven years now, but whatever, it's still there. So another big test for them just to see if, uh, if they're ready to go. And over on the other side of the ball, Nick, from a game planning perspective, this has to be Don Brown's easiest week. Uh, no guessing about what Wisconsin yeah. is going to do. They are just going to line up and punch you in the mouth, aren't they? Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's like looking in the mirror. I think, you know, it'll, it'll probably be a, flashback in some levels to ball camp uh i would think with you know i saw a play last week where wisconsin even wisconsin ran the fullback the fullback lead you know they'll put multiple fullbacks in there they play with multiple tight ends uh they run the counter a ton you know they go heavy and then run a lot of power and they've got the freshman jonathan taylor uh who lately has been outstanding uh he's been workhorse they've just you know they kind of bleed people slowly and you know the quarterback play hasn't been great i mean alex hornetbrook has not been not been elite at all. He's turned the ball over. You know, Iowa had 66 yards and managed 14 points because he threw two pick sixes. So um, he's been a problem. Uh, so maybe there's something there. But, you know, Michigan really – this is going to be the test for the defense. Now, they, they really let everything down at Penn State with their inability to do much of anything, including up front. Uh, they struggled in the ground game. They struggled in the, up the middle of the field and in the slots. This is going to be the answer, the, the, the ability for them to make a – statement that that was just one bad day or if this is just a defense that was kind of over overvalued um because if they if they can't stand up and you know make plays against wisconsin uh and as we said this is not something where it's going to be real difficult to find out what they're doing you know what they're doing this is just strap your chin strap up and go play um if they can't load up and and hang in there and make it difficult for wisconsin the way that this defense did last year if you remember and obviously it's a different group now but it's also November, and they're more veteran than they were at the beginning of the season. But you remember last year, this defense did slow this running game down uh, and did give themselves a chance to win the football game in the fourth quarter, and that's really what you're looking for. If you can take Wisconsin's run game away, if you can slow it down, it's the same thing as Michigan. If you take that away and slow it down and make Alex Hornibrook beat you, then you could be in a ball game no matter what uh, at the end of this thing because he has done nothing to show that he can do that. So um, big test, you know, big test for the defense. But if they can, if they can load up and – and make plays, then Michigan certainly has a chance in this one. Well, I think we all agree Michigan is improved, but it's it's hard to imagine going into Camp Randall with everything that's on the line for Wisconsin, their first 10-0 start, college playoffs, Big Ten uh, championship, all of that, and being able to beat them. I mean, anything can happen, uh, but I haven't seen anything from this Michigan team through 10 games that would lead me to believe that can happen, and I'm not being cynical, just trying to be realistic. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to see four quarters of football from this Michigan team that we have not seen yet this year. Yeah, I can't agree more. I think that that's the best way to put it. That they're going, you're, we're going to have to see their best game, whatever that is. Uh, and if their best game's already been played, and they're not going to win the game, you know that's that's kind of the that's kind of the end of the story situation there. And I think that you know you're going to have to see their best game. 
for them to win the game. And I think, you know, at some point here, you know, boy, it might help Michigan if somebody would actually uh, give them a break. I mean, I think that that's the other part where I look back and I, I look the other day and I see that, um, you know, Iowa, of course, decides they're going to play with their hair on fire against Ohio State, but then come out and just lay down the following week from Wisconsin, have one of their clunkers. Penn State's had a clunker. Uh, Ohio State's had a clunker. Michigan, in the last couple of years here, uh, I have I can't remember a time where they've played one of these big teams, and that team's, <laughs> that team's had a clunker. It just doesn't seem to happen uh, when they're on the schedule. So maybe they'll catch a break. Maybe somebody will be not as not as on point, or maybe just, maybe Wisconsin gets nervous, right? I mean, this is pressure time for them, too. Uh, like we said, first 10-0 start in school history. Who knows? Maybe they're feeling it, and maybe that's something where if Michigan can hang around, hang around, they get tight, and something happens. But either way, yes, you're gonna have to, they're going to have to play their best football. Uh, show us something we haven't seen, right? That's the, that's the best way to put it, Mike, in that, you know, be able to protect the passer. Let's see if Brandon Peters can make some plays that we haven't seen him make yet. Uh, let's see if this defense is is ready to ready to be something that we thought maybe it would be when the season started after a couple of weeks there. So, uh, you know, play your best game. No mistake, can't have them against Wisconsin. Turnovers are turnovers are deadly against this team. You can't recover from them. Um, so you got to take care of the football. So, uh, yeah, all of it's got to be about as close to perfect as you can get. And um, you know, it's a lot to ask, but it's also not. You know, that's. That's just, this is what you're supposed to do if you want to be a good football team. Well, that's exactly right. And as you said, it's November, so it's time to show up, and we'll see. Uh, last question for you, Nick. If the Badgers, though, win the Big Ten championship game, mm-hmm. and it was a crazy weekend, a lot of shakeup in, uh, in college football, but if they do that, do you see any way they get left out of the playoffs? If they, if they win it all, you know, if they go 12-0 and and then win the Big Ten title game, um, no, I, I would think that they'd be in. I think that a 13 and 0 Big Ten champion would still be in. Um, we obviously saw a bunch of chaos already. It's not to say that you know, obviously that more could still happen. Uh, more probably will happen. It's college football is how it works. Um, so I, I would think that a, a 13 and 0 Big Ten champion is probably getting in the playoff. I think that's. But you know, one loss in there. Eh, now I don't know. You know, if anybody loses a game, you're up. You're up for debate and, and how it's going to get compared. But um, certainly, I think that they would have everything in front of them still and that's where i say maybe maybe they get tight because they do have it all right there i mean all you got all, all they have to do is just win the next three and and they should be in the playoff uh, i would think that'd be reality but any slip and it's it's going to be a debate and it's going to be a question um and then it's going to be sweating time for jim delaney because nothing would be guaranteed at that point no absolutely well my guest today has been michigan beat writer nick baumgartner from the detroit free press and as always nick thanks for your time uh it's great to have you on the show and we look forward after the season to get you back and talk some more all right mike sounds good quick hits is next as we wrap up this week's game day show here on the michigan man on wolverine sports radio a member of the v sporto network and in partnership with sb nation's maze and brew Quick hits today on the injury front. 
Jim said he hopes Karan Higdon and Rashawn Gary will be ready to play on Saturday. Ty Isaac has returned to practice and should be ready to go. Michael Onueno is also working through an injury but should be available. Lavert Hill is going through concussion protocol. It will be up to the doctors to decide if he can play. Tight end Nick Eubanks is back practicing this week, and Jim said he does not expect Tariq Black to return for the end of the regular season and is not sure about his participation or availability for a bowl game. Wilton Spade has been cleared for practice and non-contact drills. He still has to be cleared by the medical staff for a return to game action. And a final quick hit note, Butch Jones was fired by Tennessee on Sunday. Defensive line coach Brady Hoke was named interim head coach. It is not known if Brady will be interviewed for the opening or if he's even interested. So the best of luck to Brady during the final two games of the volunteer season. Thanks again to Michigan beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press for being our guest today. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, we'll be joined by Badger beat writer Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal and host of the popular Red Zone podcast covering Badgers football. Our free show app is available from the Google Play and iTunes stores. You can also hear us on iHeart, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to comment or rate the program. Thanks in advance. That will do it for this week's game day show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Please join us again on Thursday as Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal drops by with his thoughts on the biggest game at Camp Randall Stadium in a long time. Until then, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!